Welcome back in, everybody, to the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Sennard in never sunny Columbus, Ohio. Dan, how are you? Oh, I'm I'm hanging in there. Uh, we're we're packing tonight. We're we're going to shred some gnar tomorrow. We're uh, we're hitting the slopes at Perfect North as a family. Nice family outing of skiing. I'm not a big skier. My wife is. I don't want to say I'm not looking forward to going, but uh, you know, I'm a, I'm like a a golf gambling, go to games, go to restaurants guy. I'm not really an outdoor physical activity for fun type guy, but it's a family outing. I'll have a smile on my face, but I mean, the thought of me skiing, I'm sure you're laughing inside. I'm excited for you the next podcast to be like, yeah, I was, I was rocking goofy down the track and, you know, fresh pow pow. I was feeling great about it. You know, I, that's all the ski snowboard lingo. I know you said fresh gnar. I had no idea what that meant. Well, I got that term. So, uh, my brother Colin, his wife Natalie, obviously they lived in Colorado for a couple of years and like he never skied and, you know, before I, I, you know, they moved there. And then when they moved back, um, they seemed like they knew all the skiing lingo. So we're just picking up off them. I'm excited. My dad always said that out of, I've never skied, I've never snowboarded. Um, my dad always said that out of all the sports that he tried, the only one that he like just could not do at all was skiing. He said he couldn't stop. He would get to the end of the, the the run and just fall down, and he said it frustrated him so much that he did it once. He'll never do it again. So that's what you're you have, you've skied a couple of times before though, I think. Yeah, I mean, like my wife's like skied out at like Vail and stuff. So, like she used to take vacations out to Colorado. Like you know me, I, I go to like Perfect North and some like rinky dink ski resort up near Columbus. So um, it's basically the Perfect North is the Vail of the Midwest, I guess. <laughs> we should also say Kim is pretty much better than you at everything besides basketball, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> definitely better at parenting. I know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll give her some credit. I mean, she's she's obviously she's pretty athletic. Um, but, yeah, I don't like to give in, but she she's pretty athletic. While the Sonaras are getting ready for their fancy ski trip, uh, the Rutherfords are living in the goddamn Stone Age over here. <laughs> Our hot water heater broke today. I've spent almost – I was, like, trying to finally write some thoughts on Florida State, which, if you're listening to this, you're never going to get to read them. It's never going to get published. It's never going to happen. It's been too long now. I got nothing accomplished today because I spent the entire day battling with this fucking uh, hot water heater. The pilot light lights momentarily and then dims. We've had problems with it before. I've always been able to fix it pretty quickly. But some things are beyond my scope, and if it's not on a YouTube video, then I, 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 that I've got no hope. So I tried everything I can, could, no luck there. We got the professionals coming in tomorrow to fix it. So the only thing that sucks about it, because you know, whatever, I, I can go one night without a shower. My Mary and I both work from home. We don't, we're not trying to impress each other anymore here. Uh, but Virginia, <laughs> the, the baby's, the baby's routine is pretty set in stone. And just now, when she realized she was getting no bath. It was not taken well. Uh, there, there, there was some flailing going on upstairs, and thankfully I was like, it's 9 o'clock. i got to go do this podcast. So left Mary to take the bullets upstairs. But, yeah, hopefully if, if this is like – if this winds up becoming like a longer than just tomorrow afternoon type deal, then, I mean, on top of the Miami loss, the Florida State loss, it's going to have been a rough week around here. I was going to say, I mean – there's some things like when you're a homeowner, like there's some things that happen that you're just like, God damn it. And like, 
your hot water going out is definitely one of them. So, uh, you know, hopefully you guys get that fixed because if you got that problem going into this Duke game, like my anxiety is already through the roof. I, you know, add that on top of it. I, uh, I feel bad for you. Minor inconveniences are like the worst thing in the world. Like this is, you know, this isn't terrible, but like we've had you know, our heat crap out, our AC crap out. We've had this a couple of times. And it just, it's, you, you feel like you can't fully focus on anything else until you get this problem solved. Uh, and yet here we are. Uh, so whatever. Say prayers for the Rutherford. Thoughts and prayers. Much appreciated. We need it. Uh, you mentioned big time game this week. We should also mention like, like the Louisville women right now. Number one in the country, they're playing number 23 Syracuse right now on ESPN2 as we record this. So if anything happens in that game that demands some attention, we might have to, to tape an addendum after this. But we're going to talk mostly about the men's game on Saturday against Duke, 4 o'clock tip-off. Uh, on the, the website schedule, it says ABC for some reason. It's, it's not on ABC. I wish it was, but uh, we, we've got – I don't know who is calling the game, but I know that we have TV Ted Valentine is one of the officials, so we're already starting the podcast on a high note. But this is a it's a different Louisville-Duke game than we've had since we joined the conference. For starters, neither team is ranked. It's the first time Duke hasn't been in the top 25 since all the way back in 2016. And also, I mean, it's I know it's, I guess, technically mid-January. We're getting into late January. This still feels like a, a pretty desperate moment for both teams. Duke more so than Louisville. Uh, Blue Devils really struggling, have not lived up to the preseason expectations at all. Louisville, all of a sudden, after uh, exceeding their preseason expectations, is riding a little bit of a, a rough patch here, going through a little bit of a rough patch after back-to-back losses and not looking overly impressive in either game. So, sense of urgency for both these teams. I, I, look, it's still Louisville Duke. Like I, I, I'm still very, very excited about Saturday. No, I am too. But like when I looked at this game on the schedule two weeks ago when we were rolling. I was like, oh, yes, 4 o'clock Saturday home game Duke. I'm like, that's going to be a fun game. Like, not that, like, you know, I wasn't going to get into it, but I I feel like I wasn't going to have too much anxiety about the game because I thought we were playing well. I thought Duke might be a little down this year. Um, And, you know, they are – last game Jalen Johnson started to play a little bit better. We'll get into that. But, I mean, with us coming off two straight losses, I mean, if we happen to, you know, come out and shit the bed here – I don't want to hit the panic button too hard, but I mean, things start to get a little hairy coming down the stretch. So I, I think it, both teams are going to play desperate. And, you know, I know it's a big game for Duke, but I think it's a really big game for us as well. No, absolutely. And when you look at what Duke's got going on, I know you and I talked briefly the last pod about kind of our resume and, and people taking a closer look after these back-to-back losses and seeing, you know, there's not a whole lot there, maybe. Uh, you have a, a quad one win over Pitt. Um, decent wins over Seton Hall, uh, a good win over Virginia Tech, should throw that in, in there as well. Not a quad one win, but still a good win. Uh, and then the, the Western Kentucky win has lost a little bit of its luster. But when you look at Duke's resume, they've won five games. They've beaten nobody. Uh, they, they beat Coppin State, they beat Bellarmine, they beat Notre Dame, and then they've beaten Boston College and Wake Forest. And they also throw in uh, some some rough losses there. That Michigan State loss in the Champions Classic no longer looks as good as it did back then. Michigan State also fighting for its tournament life right now. They got manhandled by Illinois, who's super talented, but also has been a little bit of an underachiever. Um, Virginia Tech, they were behind pretty much that entire game. VT really controlled that thing. And then uh, just last night, uh, Pitt uh, beats them 79-73. Justin Champagne just does whatever he wants in that game and makes his case for ACC Player of the Year. So when you look at the um, 
the power rankings the across the country, if you look at Ken Palm, they're pretty respectable there. Ken Palm, he takes past performance into consideration way more than uh, most of the analytics. So Duke's still number 29 in Ken Palm for comparison's sake. We're number 38. But if you look at the, the ranking that matters more than any other, which is the net rankings, Duke all the way down at number 92. And I'm going to hit you with something pretty funny here. So this is number 90 through number 95 in the current net rankings. Number 90, UC Riverside. Number 91, Abilene Christian. Number 92, Duke. Number 93, Kentucky. (laughs) And then then Mississippi Uh, State and Bryant round out that little uh, thing. But just uh, fully just representative of of what a bizarre season this has been so far. But, I mean, if you're looking for, I guess, motivation just outside of their NCAA tournament lives, Duke's got to be pretty fucking sick about all the stories being written about nationally saying, you know, Kentucky could miss, Duke could miss, Indiana could miss, Michigan State could miss, North Carolina could miss. That's become the easy narrative right now, and Duke wants to switch that pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of a cliche saying we're going to get their best shot, but um, me and you were kind of texting during their second half against Pitt, and they kind of looked dead in the water for a while, and then uh, they really came alive in the second half. I know they ended up dropping – um, you know, by six points, but they had it right there at the end of the game. Um, it, it seemed like, you know, hopefully they're not going to build off that momentum that they, they use in that second half. But I don't know. It's, it, it's Duke. I mean, like, no matter what, I'm going to hate Duke. But for some reason, like, there's whenever we play Duke, if it's at Cameron, there's always that little extra motivation for me because of the Cameron crazies, you know, them playing – you know, every time we touch over the loudspeakers, it's just something that kind of like, all right, we got to beat these guys' ass. But, I mean, you know, they're a historic program. They're coming in the Yum Center. Um, obviously, you know, the name on the front of the jersey. I, for for some of the young guys, hopefully that's not something that they're paying attention to. I know David Johnson's already played him. He had a great game last year. So with with David Johnson having a great game against them last year, we're starting to see his name pop up on top 15, top 20 draft boards everywhere. So, I mean, you know, they're going to key in on him. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be made aware where David Johnson is at all times. So we're going to need other guys to step up. And the last couple of games, it's, it's been very hit or miss on if our role guys have, have stepped up. So hopefully, you know, whether it's a Jalen Weathers, a Dre Davis, um, a Sam Williamson, we're going to need someone besides Carly and Dave. Um, to shoulder some of that load on Saturday. I think you're also going to see Duke defend us way different than they defended us a, a year ago. Um, Duke for, for so long under Coach K has been strictly man to man. He's kind of, he was like a Calipari in that regard. And then I think the first time that they really broke from it for any extended period of time was that game against us that when we had, uh, uh, we were like the highlight game at noon. Uh, I think it was 2015. It, it, I think it was our first year in the league where we just could not make a shot. That uh, game sucked. They just came so, in and whipped our ass. That was the worst. It was a it, noon game. Oh, man, that was awful. And, like, Duke was not good on offense. It, the score was, like, 30-18 to 18 in the second half or something. And we just if we could make two shots in a row, we, we could have gotten right back in that game. And the crowd, to its credit, just stayed there and just kept waiting for something good to happen. And it just never did. But I, I think, to get to my point, 
Duke played mostly zone uh, against Pitt on, uh, was it Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whenever that game was, and Pitt kind of ripped it up. I still think you're going to see them throw a lot of that zone at us. And it's, it's a soft zone. They don't overextend. They, they give up a lot in the middle there. They make, they, they want your bigs to beat you. And Louisville's going to have to drive into it because Justin Champagne had a lot of success doing that. Aldis Tony did the exact same thing. The two guys who didn't play against us were the two guys who lit Duke up the other night. And so I think that even though David Johnson is not going to be defended the same way that he was a year ago, this is still a game where he can have similar success. He can get into the middle of that zone uh, and do the types of things that he did against uh, Wake Forest when, when they were through that at us, or Boston College when they threw a little bit of zone at us uh, as well. And this is also going to be a, a, a game where, let's just say his name, Sam Williamson playing well would really, really help us out. If you remember... Um, I think it was that Wake Forest game where that we put him in the middle of the zone. We did it a little bit against uh, BC as well, and he made good decisions. He attacked when he should have attacked. He made good passes to the perimeter when, we, when they crashed down and we had guys open. You have to find that person to be in the middle. Um, if it's not David Johnson, Sam Williamson's the most likely guy to fill that role. So if that is what Duke throws at, at us on Saturday, you'd love to see those two guys have big games. Uh, you know what you're going to get from Carleek. You know you know what the task is going to be if they try to take away him off the bounce. But then we need we need Jalen Withers to keep playing the way he's been playing on offense, and we need Dre Davis to show up. Uh, I know this is another thing that we talked about last time, but when Louisville has been at its best this season, Dre Davis has been at his best. And when he's been kind of a ghost, Louisville has been at its worst. And if he doesn't show up in this game, uh, somebody else is going to have to pick up that slack. So uh, I know I just kind of named everybody on the team and said that they need to play well, but uh, against that zone, it has to be a team effort. It has to be a concerted effort if you're going to break it, even though I don't think that Duke is uh, a good defensive team regardless of what they're throwing at you right now. I agree. And when we played them last year, even though I think they were favored and ranked higher, one of the reasons I picked us to beat them last year was because they don't play an overly physical style of defense, and I feel like that is what we have struggled with ever since Chris Mack has gotten here. And I'm not really blaming that on Chris Mack because the first couple of years, you know, he didn't really have his players. But, I mean, even this year, I mean, you play a team like Wisconsin, they screen you to death. They're physical on both sides of the ball. Um, and then Florida State, I mean, they have athletes. They're physical. The Miami game, we just got out tough. But, uh, I mean, we kind of struggle with teams that, that bang us around a little bit. And I think Duke's a little bit more of a finesse team. So, I like the fact, and I, I like your mindset, that we do need to drive it to the basket. I know Duke gives up a high three-point field goal percentage, um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is the team I want launching threes all day. Uh, you know, we're going to get our shot blocked a couple of times. They do a good job of blocking shots, but they can't be afraid to, you know, keep taking it inside and going at guys like Jalen Johnson, Matthew Hurd, trying to get them in foul trouble. So um, I, I do like the matchup especially from an offensive standpoint for us. Um, but, I mean, like you said, we, we need other guys, you know, one of our role players to step up and have a great game. Yeah, zone fits this Duke team better than man-to-man does because you've got, I mean, the guys who are their best scorers outside of Jalen Johnson, who still is, he's looked lost defensively, but he has the ability to defend. But their best scorer, Matthew Hurt can't guard anybody. Um, DJ Stewart has been a little bit rough defensively so far this year. Um, Jeremy Roach the exact same way. So it's, it's good to throw, it's easier to simplify things. Um, and that's definitely one way to do that on defense. And Coach K after the game on Tuesday against Pitt was basically saying, 
like we're going to keep playing this going forward because we're not big, we're not physical. But he did say that the thing we need to learn to do is when we're in it, you can't allow dribble penetration and you can't allow offensive rebounds. That was what got them killed against Pitt. So kind of similar things that we've heard. A lot of the stuff that you hear about Duke, we've heard about ourselves. They get off to slow starts. They've struggled with outside shooting. Um, they have allowed too many second chance opportunities. All the things that got us killed against Florida State and Miami are the things that have gotten Duke killed when they've lost games so far this year. But just if we wanted to get to get into individuals, uh, Matthew Hart is their leading scorer. He's averaging about 19 points per game. Um, sort of a veteran presence since he played last year. And I gotta tell a story, Dan. Every time that Matthew Hart comes up, I'll never get over the fact, or I'll always think about the fact that this was a wedding in. I want to say summer of 2015, where Rick Patino and I were both in attendance. Star-studded affair, and Patino, after a couple of drinks, was talking to me about uh, just everything. And the topic of Matthew Hurt came up because he was out in Minnesota, and Richard knew all about him. And he told me that Matthew Hurt was going to be, and I quote, the best white college basketball player since Christian Leitner. Um <laughs> He, I mean, up. he's got a smooth, he's got a nice smooth jump. He's there. a fine um, player. He's, yeah. he's a fine player. Is, do I think he's going to be better than Tyler Hansborough and Christian? Probably not. I, I don't think that that's his legacy, but he's, he's good. No, don't get me wrong. But at that time, Rick felt confident about our chances of landing him. And, and obviously he never got that opportunity to see that recurring through. But Matthew Hurt, this is kind of how I feel like his game is sort of the, the ideal Dan Sennard game. Just kind of jacks threes, talks some shit does a little bit off the bounce, but not too much, and then doesn't have any interest in guarding anybody. No, 100%. I mean, I, I definitely don't hate on the man's game. Um, he's He's got a nice, smooth jumper. He knows how to create space, even though he's not very quick. Um, but he's, he's not the guy that I would say, like, a lot of these good Duke players they've had in the past seem to make their teammates better. He's not one of them. It, it, it seems like he's just out there. Uh, I don't want to say he's doing his own thing, but um, he doesn't really create for anybody else on the team. Um, so, I mean, they really need other guys to step up. And, I mean, they're pretty young. So, and, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I was – in our text to you, I was kind of shitting on Jalen Johnson um, from Duke. I was like, man, I think Withers can score 20-plus on this guy. <laughs> you know, I think he dogs it up and down the court. And this was like – at halftime, and then in the second half, I think he had his best half of the season. So, um, you know, shuts me up real quick. But it was yeah. a very poorly timed tag. I mean, you like I think when I legit read, I turned the TV on, and it was like when he had that ridiculous double clutch dunk in transition. You're like, it was bad. Hey, they're just gonna make this guy his bitch. I was like, okay. right. <laughs> well, I mean, I will stand by the fact that uh, I don't know if he hustles all the time. I think he like. If he gets going early, I think he'll probably be engaged, um, especially on the offensive end. But, I mean, I, I think you'll catch him dogging it a couple times, and I, I still think we can toss him around down low a little bit. But he's definitely a very offensive, skilled player that makes me a little nervous about Saturday. Yeah, I don't like the fact that he's finally rounding into form right before we, he, he plays us. We've had some luck so far this year with missing stars. We mentioned you know, Pitt was without its two-wing scorers. Miami was without, uh, you know, four guys when we, four stars when we played them. Even Florida State was missing, uh, Anthony Polite the other night. But we're getting Duke when they're starting to get a little bit healthy now. Um, they, they've got Jeremy Roach back. He gives them an, an added element. He missed some games with a back injury. And Jalen Johnson is, 
even though he's not lived up to expectations so far this year, he's going to be a lottery pick this spring. He's that good. He's that athletic, and he is a freak show. Matthew Hurd, I feel like Hurd's going to get his. We don't have a really good matchup for him. He's going to, and even if we have guys in the right position, he's so tall. He can get a shot off against pretty much any of our post defenders. So uh, he's going to score. He's going to get his points. You just have to hope that he uses as many possessions as possible. Jalen Johnson, a little bit of a wild card now. What we have to, I think, ensure is that even if those two guys have good games, we can't let that supporting cast, we can't have one of those guys who have been so hot and cold go off. Um, you know, DJ Stewart was not great against Pitt. He's been a little what? bit Wendell Moore has been awful. Well, I, I don't want to say he was good against recently. Pitt. Yeah, against Pitt, but the beginning of the year, I mean, he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Just any of those role players, we don't want them to get hot. I have a question about Wendell Moore too. Are we sure that his name is actually pronounced Wendell, or do we just do this because Wendell Carter did pronounce his name that way, and he was at Duke just two years ago, and we? subconsciously associate the others because the the way his name is spelled the way that both their names are spelled it should just be Wendell that, that's the way that most of those guys are pronounced and I've always kind of wondered if Wendell Moore is in the back of his mind like I didn't tell anybody to call me this <laughs> like, like people just started doing this because they, they think I'm the other guy I, I always do wondered. we do we know a, I don't even know a Wendell off the top of my head what do you mean like a someone named Wendell uh, who the guy was who was in the wire? His name's Wendell. I don't. I can't remember his. Uh, I can't remember his name. Somebody's somebody's listening to this in there. Yeah. Now now I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Yeah. The the, the mayor who's who shit. He yeah. Uh, oh yeah. That guy. He's been in a lot of stuff. Okay. Good question, though. I, I can't think of any other ones. That's, I, I thought like a bunch were just going to come to me, and it, they have not. But There was an old pitcher named Turk Wendell. Anyways, go ahead. Wasn't it Turk Wendell, though? Maybe it was. Yeah, it was. I, Turk, I thought it was Turk Wendell. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I, I think yeah. it's Wendell, but I could be. I don't, who the fuck knows? Anyways, um, they've got Jamin Brakefield, a kid who was going to play here before Duke got interested. He started off really hot. He's kind of fizzled as of late. Jordan Goldwire's been there for a few years now. Joey Baker, who famously last year thought about fighting Darius Perry for a split second and then thought very quickly uh, of making the correct decision, which was to walk away. He is not. I'm going to say this with confidence. If it comes back to bite me, then the whole fan base can turn. Joey Baker sucks. Like, I literally have not seen him do one good thing since he's put on a Duke uniform. So if he goes off on us, everyone can shit on me, but my God, he's awful yeah he's he's not good at all and I feel pretty confident saying that because last year there was this weird thing where every time I would talk about a guy who had been playing poorly but potentially could go off against us like it happened like the the Walden Tensai kid from from Virginia was prime example but it became eerie how much it happened this year the guy I've highlighted who's like look out he could have a big game has just absolutely sucked against us Olivier Saar prime example I was like he's definitely gonna lead them in scoring Worst game of all time against us. Uh, the I think the the Mahmoud kid from from Pitt was the guy I highlighted for that game, or for Wake Forest, I mean, and he was terrible. Didn't do anything against us, so I feel pretty confident saying Joey Baker sucks, and he's he's not going to do anything against us on Saturday. Um, outside of just you know Hurt and Johnson and the individual talent that Duke has, what worries you about this game, or is there something significant that stands out and worries you about this game? Um. I don't. I don't. I don't want to say it's one thing specific. I, 
I mean, I think I want what everybody else wants, and that's for us to come out like, you know, this game means everything in the world and our hair's on fire. I mean, if we come out and we get down 9-2, you know, 11-4, it's going to feel – you're going to have that same feeling in the building, like, shit, here we go again. So, I mean, I know sometimes you can't help but the other team hits shots. Maybe you're just not hitting shots. But just – especially at the beginning of the game, get every loose ball – Make sure you're out hustling. Set the tone from the beginning. You know, talk shit if you have to. Get a goaltend. Whatever you got to do to get yourself going, just do it. Uh, I, I don't want to be on our heels this game. I want to be the aggressor. Yeah, take the mentality that you had against Florida State in the last 25 minutes of that game. If you play that way against Duke, I don't think Duke's going to punch you back that much. So they're they're, they're going to keep playing hard, but I think that you can take them out of their element. Now, the issue is you do have TV Teddy out there who maybe calls the, the game completely different than the game we played on Monday, but you can't control that. You can't worry about that, but I'm with you. I mean, Duke has been as played by slow starts as we have. So if we get out there and at the first TV timeout, we're down like 11 to two, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to have to assume from this point forward that we're going to be in an eight point hole every single night because that'll just be ridiculous. Um, I tell you any parting thoughts here, we'll get back. We'll do our predictions at the end of the pod, but we are going to answer some questions from Twitter. Do you have anything else you want to say before we move on? I'll ask you, do you think we'll see a shake-up in the starting lineup, or do you think we're going to roll with our regular five? I would guess that we see the regular five. I think the only the only potential shake-up would be putting Quinslinski in the starting lineup for Sam Williamson because um, Sam didn't start the second half against Florida State. But Sam actually played more in that second half than Quinn did and played pretty well. They, they played a little bit on the court together, but Sam, I thought, I thought kind of responded well to that. So I think he responded well enough that he'll get this. He'll get it. I could be wrong, but that would be my guess. I think we see the same starting five. I think you're right. I think at least for this game, if we see something happen again, you know, I think that's when things will get shaken up a little bit. But I think you're right. I think we'll see the same starting five. All right, we're going to move on to some of your Twitter questions. But before we do that, I want to remind you all about our friends at Homefield Apparel. They sponsor the podcast. They sponsor the website. They do great work all year round. They've got the best college sports apparel you can find anywhere. The comfiest t-shirts, the softest hoodies, the coolest tank tops. Homefieldapparel.com has you covered. If you want to buy a bunch of Louisville gear for the stretch run or for the spring, or if you want to buy gear from other colleges, not Kentucky because they don't have Kentucky, and why would they? They're 4-9 and and they suck. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code Card Chronicle when you check out. That's going to save you 20%. Uh, we've got some cool new promo deals in the works uh, as well that are going to be sort of tied into this Duke game that's going to come out tomorrow. Check the website for more information on that. We're also working on something uh, involving the women's basketball team's number one ranking. So, again, keep it locked. Homefield Apparel on Twitter is Homefield Apparel. No E in apparel. They're Homefield Apparel on Instagram, uh, all one word. And, of course, you can go to homefieldapparel.com. And check out all their gear there. And again, use that promo code Card Chronicle, all one word, and save twenty percent on your order at checkout. All right, Dan, let's uh, let's get into some questions here. We've got a bunch, and as always, we'll try to get to as many of these as possible. And I'm sure we'll fail miserably because uh, you guys always serve up way, way too many for us to, to answer here. But we'll start off. Um, well, the, the very first question I see is Sam the next Wayne Blackshear. I don't know. I, I don't know why we have to do this. We can't do this every podcast. Um, no. <laughs> he, yeah, he's not. I mean. What's the winningest player in the history of the school? He was a 1,000 points scorer. Come on. Let's, let's I know. Go. God. I mean, 
Wayne's still he's still getting paid to play. I follow him on Instagram. I don't know where he's playing, but he's playing somewhere. Um, well, is that the but, highlight video I posted the other day? Yeah, he was cramming on people. He's, I mean, he's, yeah. he's fine. Kind he's of fine. a low quality highlight video, but but uh, no, it was it was it was cool to see. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I still I I do have high hopes for Sam. I really do. Um, you know. I just he just needs to be more consistent and that'll come with time. So just we just got to give him a little bit of time here. All right, Joe Jackson, wings, bone in or bone out? Oh, 100% bone in. Not even an option. I'm not a boneless guy. Never not, have been. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's I don't know. I I've, I've always been a bone in guy. Like if you're giving me top wings in Louisville, uh, Mama's Barbecue, I would say number one. Uh, Beer Depot, Saints, and Rumors. I, those would round out my my top four. Also, shout out to the late, the great Spring Street, Spring Spring Street Tavern. They had great wings too, and they are unfortunately closed. But I, I'm also not as over the top about this as a lot of people are. That are like, you if you eat boneless wings, they're nuggets. You're a fucking bitch. I'm like, whatever. Like, let people eat whatever they want. I. Every now and then back in the day, like when I was, I mean, like 18, 19, we'd go to beat-ups. I would get the boneless spicy garlic wings, just change of pace. I was you know, I was a kid. I was growing up. I didn't know what I wanted to. It was cheap wings, whatever, whatever. So eat whatever makes you happy. But I I am definitely a bone-in guy. Uh, David says, do you think the top golf lights will be seen from outer space? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a hilarious question. I mean, I, I that is like the one thing I miss about being in Louisville is like, Somehow, like Top Golf has just become like a neighborhood drama, or like not a like a community drama. Like you just don't have that here in Columbus, and to quite frankly, I miss it. Um, but yeah, shout out! I'm, I'm glad you guys are getting a Top Golf. We have one here. Um, they're awesome. Um, if you've never done it, but they're great. Yeah, it's shocking that Columbus continues to grow because they actually like don't stand in their own way and welcome things that are cool and new and big with open arms instead of fighting them every step of the way. So shout out to Columbus in that regard. I mean, this has been just the most ridiculous sequence of, of all time, but it's coming. It's finally here. It's like dealing with the fucking NCAA. Like, like it's just like, I, I'm just waiting for there to be another holdup at some point, like another, another hoop to jump through before we can finally get this thing here. But it sounds like after this week's events, the legal challenges are done. Topgolf's going to be here. When I've got no idea, but I'm only going to assume that at this point the lines are gonna. You're probably not gonna be able to go to Top Golf until like 2025 because people are gonna be lined up. Where it's gonna be like when Outback came here for the first time. Who, where, where are, who are these people that can't sleep at night because there's a Top Golf being built? Like, what planet am I on? What species of these people? I just, it's, it's mind-boggling. I just can't believe there's people out there like this that just they hate fun apparently. Do we think they're Card Chronicle podcast listeners? Yeah, it's like I'm, I greatly apologize. We, we, we love you listening. If you are anti-Top Golf, you'd like to advertise in the Card Chronicle podcast. <laughs> we can change our stance very quickly. We can. A hundred percent. We can be bought. We are. Uh, we are the Tatanka for all you old WWF fans. We can be bought with money easily. We can be that next hurdle. We can be that. Uh, we, we can launch an all-out attack against this thing and, and slow it down for at least I don't know three more weeks. We'll see what happens. Um, Will says, who does Charles Minlin take minutes from when he returns? Uh, I mean, at this point, like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get from Charles Minlin this year. He's clearly not healthy enough to play meaningful minutes at this point in time, whether or not that changes at some point in the future. 
We'll see. But if you're asking who would get less minutes if he does become a a guy who's in the rotation consistently, the most obvious answer I think would be Josh Nickelberry, um, who's just really struggling right now. Cannot find his outside shot. Not guarding very well. And Minland, who's six foot four, but I think can play that three a little bit. You you need him more at the two right now um, because we have very little backcourt depth. It'd be nice to get. Carly, I mean, Carly is playing pretty much every minute of every game at this point. David Johnson's not far behind him, so it'd be nice to get those guys a little bit more of a break. So I would say Nickelberry's probably the more likely candidate because you got Sam and Quinn are, are playing almost equal minutes at three, and then the front court is, is loaded with dudes. So that's my answer. Yeah, I, I think Chris uh, or Coach Mack, he's gone through two years of having guys on defense that he obviously didn't recruit and probably didn't particularly want to have in the game, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, maybe they were so offensively talented that he had to keep them out there. Uh, I, I, I do think if it gets to the point where our offense is really struggling, you know, I, I don't think he'll have a choice but to play Charles Moore because of his offense. But I, I think that he, you know, I know we've kind of struggled the last two games, but I think he likes where we're at from a defensive standpoint. And he wants to make sure Charles Minlin is 100% healthy and 100% bought into the defensive game plan and knows what's going on out there. I'm with you. Uh, I think that's exactly right. Um, John says, does Virginia have a favorite Louisville player? Not yet. She uh, she does. I know I tweeted this out. And I know I texted you when it happened, but she now has – Anytime there's a sporting event on TV, especially basketball, she says go cards. Like in the softest, like go cards. And it's the most adorable <laughs> in the entire world. And God, she, that's awesome. Hey, yeah, we, we, I had the UK Georgia game on. She's sitting on the couch and she just looks up and she goes, go cards. And like, <laughs> she always turns to my shirt because I'm always, I'm usually wearing UVL stuff when I'm watching the games and we're saying go cards. And she pointed and I had no, like, there was nothing on my shirt. And she was so disappointed that I didn't have a cardinal on my shirt that she could point at and say cards. But it's awesome. So we've got her doing the CARDS cheer. She loves doing that. She always leaves the R out, which we assume is a – she's paying her respects to Rick Pitino and all the New England Louisville fans. Uh, go Cods. Says go Cards now when she's basketball on TV. Favorite player? I don't think she has one yet. We'll say Carly Jones because I think her and I talk about Carly more than anybody. I mean, does Virginia realize she's like, like I don't know if you watch, um, why do I want to call it The Throne? Um, is that what it is? or whatever the show is on Netflix with Queen Elizabeth? But she is literally like Queen Elizabeth in waiting, and you're like King Henry. Like she's literally going to assume the throne one day, and we're all going to watch her grow up before our eyes as like that, you know, the face of U of L fandom. So she's handling it very well here in her early years. I'm proud of her. Um, I'm sure she'll have a favorite player in no time. I'd say my oldest, we have a cup of like, uh, a L team of two years ago and Cam loves pointing out Jordan Nora. Um, and so now he keeps asking where he's at. I tell him he's on the Milwaukee Bucks. He's still having a hard time figuring out the difference between NBA and college. It's he claims he likes, yeah, he claims he likes the Bucks now. <laughs> And then I try to tell him about the Greek freak and have to pronounce his name, and it's a disaster. So, um, <laughs> anyways, that's where I'm at in my house. Pick literally any other team, Cam. We don't. We can't talk <laughs> yeah. about Giannis. I know. Yeah. Oh, Tough to explain to kids. Uh, I like this question from Jack. He says, "When can we no longer talk shit to Kentucky fans about this year's game, as we have to focus on the next matchup? Is it at the end of this season? The start of next season?" 
the day after the the day of the next game or sometime else? I think this is a, a good question to ponder because, like I said when we did the emergency pod, I always say the only two games that matter in a rivalry series are the last one and the next one. I feel like, I mean, you definitely get to hold on to it through the end of the season. Like you get those bragging rights for a full year. I feel like once you get like once the teams start practicing in the summer, like, like once it's like past the halfway point of the off season. It loses a little bit of its luster, but I think you can keep talking shit until the the, the next game's actually played. I no, a hundred percent. I think it goes all the way until the following season, and then if for some reason, like early on, your seasons start to go in different directions, it starts to fade out a little bit. Um, but I, I'm with you. I mean, if if you know we finish the season, we start and. We're just as good or better than Kentucky at the beginning of next season. I'm going to talk shit all the way up until tip-off. Sure. Why not? It's, it's how it works. Caleb says, with Louisville shooting struggles, would you like to see the team abandon the mid-range jumper for the time being? I just find myself pulling my hair out with how many mid-range jumpers this team takes, especially early in possessions. Yes, is my answer. Um, I know that like we don't run – the same modern offense that is sweeping college basketball now in the same way that it swept the NBA. But I do think you have to cut out mid-range jumpers as much as you can, unless you have a really, really good mid-range shooter who can get that shot pretty consistently. I would say Carly Jones probably fits that mold. Maybe Sam Williamson fits that mold. But if you – did you see the, the shot chart, by the way, from earlier this week of the Alabama-LSU game? Unbelievable. It was, like, mind-boggling to look at. They, they literally did not take a single shot that wasn't either right at the rim or a three-pointer. Like there, there was one where a dude's foot was on the line for a three-pointer, and that was it. Like they, And they scored a billion points and, and set an SEC record for made threes. I, I mean, I, I would love to see us take on more of that approach, or at least within Chris Mack's offense. I know that that's not the way that he wants to play, but still, that's the way basketball's going. You want free throws, you want layups, you want three-pointers. Um, this team's got I mean – this team's got to make more three-pointers, though, and that's the – Jeff Greer in his latest newsletter, which came out today, he had a really good thing talking about how Louisville is shooting like 26% on wide-open threes that are set up by either Carly Jones or David Johnson, and at some point, like, you just got to make fucking shots. <laughs> like, like, like that, that's yeah. that simple. If you're going to take wide-open threes, if you have that red light or that green light, Dre Davis – You've got to start making some, and if you don't, you got to. It's got to leave the repertoire. So um, this team, we knew shooting was going to be an issue, and, and it's been an issue. But I would like to see the mid-range shot cut out more than it has been in recent games. Here, here's my deal with it, I, and I mean, I I love like the Nate Oates, uh, Alabama, you know, run and gun, shoot threes or layups. I mean, I think the Warriors changed basketball for good like a couple of years ago. I just think that's the way the game's trending. But with that being said. I mean, like you said, we don't really have a lot of dead-eye knockdown three-point shooters. So if we are going to shoot mid-range too, like, get to your spot. Like, Sam Williamson, you are good in the middle of the lane. Like, when you take those, you have to hit – I mean, that's your shot right there in the mid-range. Like, you cannot be missing those. Um, Carleek Jones, I mean, I, as much as I love Carleek, I, I do feel like he's missed a lot of elbow jumpers this year yeah. that, I, you know, I th- especially at end of games, it seems like his legs might – you know, and we can talk about that at a different time. He's playing a lot of minutes, but his legs seem like they get worn down at the end of games. It seems like he's missing some of those shots that he would usually make. You know, Dre Davis, it seems like he's comfortable from that baseline position. So if you have a spot on the floor you're comfortable from, you know, step in and shoot it. But, I mean, you you, you got to make some of these shots if you're going to take them. 
All right, are you ready for our weekly Aiden Nagayon question update? Oh, man, let's hear it. There's always at least 15, so we'll, we'll deal with one here. D.A. Elderman says, seriously, what is your take on the Agayon situation? I get that it's the, I get that it's the subject of endless speculation, and this is only asking for more, but that he has completely disappeared from the rotation even before being a bit dinged up makes me wonder what his place will be. Um, I, I, if I, I will answer it seriously. I know right now he's dealing with a groin injury. I'd expect him to be out again against Duke. But I think it's very clear, and not to give Greer any more love, but he had Mike Pegues on his podcast earlier this week, and you know Pegues coaches primarily the big men, and I thought it was noticeable how little he talked about Aiden, and when he was asked about Aiden directly, the types of things that he said. I don't think you're going to see Aiden find a spot on this year's team, and if you're asking me to be brutally honest, I I think Aiden Gale will transfer after the, after the season's over. That's just um, that's the way that I see this thing playing out. I, I hope that doesn't wind up being the case. Hopefully he, he can start getting some minutes this year and live up to his recruiting billing. But it just seems like with so many young post players on this team right now, with Roosevelt Wheeler signed uh, or committed in the, in the next class coming in, I don't think that there's going to be a, a, a big-time spot for Aiden here moving forward. But, again, would love to be wrong about that. Do you have opposing thoughts, Dan? I mean – Anything I say is a guess. I mean, uh, we're not we're not at practice. We don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, like like we're reading tea leaves just like everybody else. Uh, but uh, you know, if 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 you like, you know, put a gun to my head and, and told me that it seems like that's the way it's it's trending, unfortunately. And I I hope a he gets healthy and b you know he just might be a late developer. I don't know if the coaching staff, uh, you know has the time to, you know, have him develop maybe in his fourth year um, or if, if maybe they would encourage a different route. I don't know. But he seems like a great kid. I, I do want it to work out for him. Um, the fans seem to like him. But, I mean, at this point, we're, we're all just guessing. I will just say that I'll be surprised if he's here next year. And I'll leave it at that. Um, Cam Kelly says, the people want to know what fraternity Dan Snard was in. Oh, God. Uh, I was like, okay, I was in a fraternity, but you need to vouch for me. I was like, not a fraternity guy. Like, we have friends that were fraternity guys. I was in a fraternity. I wasn't like Mr. Fratty. But if you're asking, I was a SIG up at Kentucky. Um, I think they got kicked off campus. I don't know if they're on campus now or what. Um, but it was fun. I liked all the guys that we, we had a cool group. Um, but. Yeah. All the yeah. guys. No, that's a that's a straight bold faced lie. You did not like all the guys. In your no, family. I okay. I did not like <laughs> everybody, but uh, I, I do have some guys. I've, I've you know a lot of them were from St. X and Trinity, so I mean it wasn't like any you know like I didn't know a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, frat life, whatever. It, it is I, what I, it is. I like that that question was asked on Twitter, and immediately somebody responded. Cardin Lex responded with SIGEP at UK. I just knew. Right? <laughs> Oh God, yeah. How well, legendary you were from the intramural basketball at uh, the UK frat life. Yeah, well, that's about the only thing I contribute. Except, um, I don't. I'm not going to get into stories. <laughs> I was a sick up at UK. <laughs> a lot of people, almost as many as, as want us to talk about Aiden Gahan, want me to talk about this Dan Campbell guy, the new Lions coach, and the, <laughs> took the world. I mean, this guy. I've seen some guys who have like 
big, dumb football guy energy before. This is the biggest, dumbest football guy of all time. We basically hired a dumber Matt Patricia who's slightly thinner. Like, I I would love to be wrong about this. Another thing I'd love to be wrong about, this guy's going to go 5-11 and 11 every year. Everything about him just screams. I mean, he's got the dude on his nameplate going into his office. I, I don't know, Dan. Like, this is uh, this is so as a As a Vikings fan, I literally was cackling watching the press conference. It was just so Lions. Like, they just never do anything right as an organization. I mean, you just, you're right. They're going to lose every game 17-13. This guy's going to mismanage the clock, you know, at the end of games. You can just see it coming from a mile away. He's going to, like, have the, you know, the practices be, like, so extreme that the players hate it and they want out of Detroit. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, Hey, I, I think Mike Zimmer, his clock might be ticking too. He might have one or two years left, so I can't talk too much. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed the hire being an NFC North villain um, of the Lions. Everything about this guy screams like player abuse story coming out. If we make it to August without some sort of story involving that. like I mean, poor Matt Stafford. He's just like, God damn it. Like, I – Every story I hope you hear about cold. Stafford, like, is like this guy, like, is an absolute warrior. Like, he deserves better than what he has. He plays through injuries. Like, he's so talented, and they, the organization is just giving him shit, and he doesn't say a word about it. So, I feel bad for the guy. I hope he goes to the Colts. Like, we don't deserve Matt Stafford. There's, there's no way fans or butts about it. But this guy, I mean, imagine getting your dream job, and in your first public statement like that the world's going to see you've been working your entire life to get to this moment you mentioned eating opponents kneecaps while you're on some i mean that's just i don't know i, I, Dude, I don't fo- football guy i mean and i'm not if we got football coaches out there you know shout out to you guys putting a lot of time and work but i mean you gotta you gotta be a different breed <laughs> to be a football coach for sure i mean it is, uh, like, the Adam Gase opening press conference was, like, maybe the only thing weirder when he got hired at the Jets. Like, I mean, this is your, like, you know, first viewing to the public of your fan base. Like, how can you butcher it this bad? I just will never understand it. That was my favorite safety net that you've ever laid for yourself before making this. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That was, if you're I, a football coach out, out there listening to this, shout out to you. you. You worked your ass off to get to this point. There's some, like assistant coach at St. Raphael's sixth grade team who's like, yeah, man. Like, that's you're goddamn yeah, right I did. He's just got like a huge thing of skull and he's like, fuck right, that's right, don't talk shit. <laughs> well, I'm a Dan guy, not a Mike guy right there. That's, uh... <laughs> I did work through this. I earned this. Um, Devin says, I'm curious if you think Leonard Hamilton is to Chris Mack what UVA and Tony Bennett was to Rick Pitino. It's so jarring to see a team we used to beat the brakes off for years all of a sudden dominate us and it seems like we can only point to the coaching change. I, we talked on the Tuesday pod. Louisville's lost 6 of 8 to Florida State. The only coach to beat Florida State over the last five years is David Padgett, who beat them twice, including in the ACC tournament. The only, That was our, the first time we'd ever won an ACC tournament game. So, I mean, it's... Like like Tony like uh, Leonard Hamilton was starting to get Rick Pitino's number at the end of his tenure as well. They beat us down pretty well um, in Rick's last year. That was the Tony Hicks game where he was like the, somehow the only offense that we had. But it it does seem to be kind of a deal where Leonard has Chris Mack's number. I mean we like like we had the one game that went to overtime we probably should have won. But besides that they 
they've given it to us pretty good. And uh, I, I know we were up pretty. I think we were up 11 in the second half of the game down there last year. They still won it by 15. It has just been asking after asking. It's been demoralizing the way that we've lost to him. So, yeah, I, I think that until, I mean, until Mac beats them, this is going to continue to be a little bit of a thing. It's four games. They've been pretty high-profile games, and they've been relatively one-sided. So um, let's also not just dismiss that we're, like, over the hump against Virginia. We beat them one time, and it was pretty close when they were not very good. And then when they got good, they beat us down at their place to end the season. So Virginia is still a very real thing, but it definitely seems – the Florida State thing is absolutely real right now. Yeah, the ACC is hard is what we're trying to say. Um, there's some good teams. But, uh, I mean, going back to the Florida – I mean, you may have mentioned this, but, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we can't forget that Chris Mack with his one-seed Xavier team lost to Florida State um, and Leonard Hamilton, you know, so he has that black mark on his resume against him as well. But I was probably – I feel bad after I tweeted it, although it went really viral. It got one like. Um, <laughs> I tweeted during the game, Dan's own 85 if someone wants to go back and like it. But it was the uh, the clip of when – Pedro Martinez gave his press conference after he had like just lost to the Yankees again in the playoffs. And he was like, at this point, you just have to tip your cap, bow down and call the Yankees my daddy. And like, that's kind of what I feel like, you know, with Chris Mack right now, he just can't figure out an answer for Leonard Hamilton. I know that's probably a little premature. I mean, they haven't met that many times, but um, I I think he'll get a turnaround at some point. Yeah. The the thing though, I have to mention this because I know I've mentioned it before. The year before that Xavier team lost to Florida State, Mac upset Florida State and Leonard Hamilton. Uh, actually, the team that we were just talking about in Patino's last year that beat us pretty good down at their place. They were, I think, a three seed, and Mac Xavier team was a ten seed, and they upset them in that tournament, and then turned around to him and lost to them the next year. So it's not like he hasn't beaten Florida State. It's just that he's lost five in a row, and they've all been pretty high-profile games. Uh, Coach Bob says, Holiday Inn Express or the Marriott? Marriott. Oh, I got. I had my wedding reception in a Marriott. I'm a Marriott through and through guy. Like my dad, if I like went somewhere other than Marriott, like he would be pissed. He's like, because I mean, I don't know if we want to get into the story of what happened on my wedding, but like we woke up and uh, like none of Columbus had power. Um, the day of our rehearsal, a huge windstorm hit. We were supposed to have our rehearsal dinner somewhere else in the restaurant that we were supposed to have it. Didn't have power. So the Marriott graciously hosted us and set everything up for us. So I know my dad like wrote him like this big, long, nice letter. So he's like, we're Mar- we're a Marriott family. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 100% Marriott. If you need to know one thing about the Snards, it's this, folks. They are a Marriott family. This is I- true. When we, I'll never forget the scene because we were at the church doing your all's um, rehearsal and we lost power before that started. And when we walked out, there were these giant glass doors, like all on, you see everything outside. It was like the fucking Wizard of Oz, like gigantic limbs just like flying past. I think some cars were moving. It was terrible. And then like right as that's happening, your mom gets the call that uh, Montgomery Inn, where you all were supposed to have the rehearsal dinner, had lost power, so we couldn't go there. I think you all handled that about as well as any couple could. Like there are a lot of couples I know that would have just fallen. I had like the Chris struck. Farley, like Crystal Coffee Columbia reaction. I was like, huh, what, what, what? Like, <laughs> like it was, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
luckily my wife she was a trooper through the whole thing but to like wake up your wedding day the church doesn't have power you have to sw- call 300 people to switch churches the place where she got her hair didn't have power so i just it was a weird fun day but at least we have a story i guess it worked out we all had a good time it was your all's wedding was a absolute blast um cards and lux the the man who knows you are you were a sig ep at uk says which is the superior trilogy mighty ducks or three ninjas and no the weird theme park hulk hogan fourth three ninja movie does not count as it was a total cake eater move by the franchise i think this is a good question because i feel like it's sort of like arguing the acc versus the big 12 some years like i feel like the top with mighty ducks is is better like the acc is always better at the top or usually better at the top but then you've got the bottom which is mighty ducks 3 which is an absolute dog shit movie it's terrible easy easy it's awful it's it's terrible (laughs) and i don't want to mean there's some prep school where if they beat the varsity they get to become the varsity it's an absurd premise for a trilogy loaded with absurd premises it's it's i i hate it i hate the third mighty ducks movie but three ninjas they're all pretty solid the last one's still probably the worst but i feel like it's again it's more quality They're, they're like Who's at the bottom of the Big Twelve? They're like TCU. They're, Jamie Dixon's down there. They're they're okay. The, the third movie's not bad. Meanwhile, we've got BC and Wake, which are Mighty Ducks three. Okay, I mean that's a good Mighty reference. Ducks, I didn't answer the question. I still Mighty Ducks. I'm choosing. I'm choosing the top heaviness. Okay, uh, the fact that he included Cake Eater in his question tells me that he's already leaning towards Mighty Ducks because um, obviously we know Jesse Hall big cake eater guy but anyways um i I mean i'm mighty ducks through and through i loved all of them my young authors were based off the mighty ducks when i was in grade school um (laughs) i'm a big gee germain guy he was the most underrated mighty duck there is go back and watch him he scores a lot of big goals not a lot of people talk about him also hooked up with connie and mighty ducks three so yeah uh i'm i'm mighty ducks all the way Connor says, what's the worst fight you've ever been in or seen? I was never really in a – I don't think I've been in a fight after, like, grade school. Like, like since I was a kid, I never was in a – I was in a bunch of those – I mean, you know how it is in college, like, where your buddies are, like, getting into it with other guys. I was in a lot of, like, standing behind my friends, waiting for there not to be a fight, like, acting like we were all going to fight and then just everybody going their own way. Um, you, conversely, I know you've been punched in the face at least once. Yes, and I like met my wife maybe a couple hours after that. It was on a cruise boat. Um, I literally, it was it was the it was the weekend that Louisville and Texas A and M uh, AC Law ended our tournament hopes. Edgar So said thirty points. We were on a big. It was my senior year of college. We were on a big cruise ship, but there was a lot of IU fans and. <laughs> What, they had some like little nightclub on the cruise ship called Club Arctic, and I don't know what happened, but like a couple people from different crews got into it. It's like a melee ended up happening like out like in the elevator bank, and next thing you know, I just get rocked in the face. Um, but literally, maybe three hours later, I uh, I met my wife on the cruise ship. First time I'd ever met her, so. Yep, only time. I didn't even get to throw a punch. I've never thrown a punch. I've only got punched in the face. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my life. Punched in the face by love. The dancing <laughs> art. Yeah. Uh, nice. God, I, I forgot that that was the same night that, that that all happened. Wow, that's that's wonderful. 
Um, JJ says, I recently rewatched Boy Meets World on Disney Plus, and I concluded that Corey is really an asshole, especially <laughs> if am I alone with this thing. I'd have to go back and watch. I haven't watched Boy Meets World in a while. I know, yeah. But, like, when you do go back and watch stuff, like, from your youth, you do, there is a lot that you realize, like, that's not really cool. Or, like, the way that you remembered it was so detached from reality. Um, I feel like, I don't know. Like, like, now that I'm thinking about it in college, there were definitely, he was definitely more of a loser when he got older and maybe more of an asshole. But I'd have to go yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, I'll, if I, if I, if. I'm basing on, like, he was so overprotective of Topanga that he was probably just a total dick, um, is what I'm thinking. But, yeah, I don't, I'd have to go back and watch him, but great show. Um, I mean, Sean Hunter, my guy, I don't know. I, I, I need to go back and catch a couple episodes. Uh, Villain502 says, Lion season win over under set at four and a half. What are you taking? Over, because we go 5-11 and 11 or 6-10 and 10 every year. Just good enough to never get any better. That's the Detroit Lions way. That's the new Dan Campbell way. Uh, Evan Sheehan says, how long until Louisville is a true title contender under Chris Mack? I mean, this is one of those questions. I, I feel like it's so contingent on the NCAA stuff, which is kind of a cop-out, but also like, realistic. Because if you... If you get drilled by the NCA, then that changes everything. If the NCA miraculously says, you know, we're not going to hit you with a postseason ban, scholarship reductions, probation, whatever, then you could be right in the national title picture in a couple of years. And hell, I mean, let's say this year's team goes on a gigantic run starting Saturday. Maybe we're talking about them being in the in the title race two months from now. So I don't know. I, I know I'm just not giving you a real answer because I think it's an impossible answer to give. Yeah, I don't know. That question kind of made me sad. Um, cause I don't want to think about the NCAA stuff, but who knows? I mean, maybe it won't hit next year. Maybe by the grace of God, like Carly Jones comes back or Malik comes back and we're, we're loaded next year. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to give an answer with what we have potentially hanging over our head. And that's not Chris Mack's fault at all. I mean, he's, he's working under the best conditions that he can. With uh, along the same lines, Hank Tubbs says, with DJ creeping up draft boards, what is our answer at guard next year? I really like L. Ellis, the JUCO transfer who, who's coming in next year, and I think he's going to take over right at the point guard. If Carly doesn't come back, I think he's going to be a, a guy who's really good for us next season. So that's my main answer. There is a chance that Carly could come back. I guess there is a chance that David Johnson could stay here another year. I don't foresee either of those things happening, but – uh, I think LLS is pretty good. And then maybe you try to go the grad transfer or the immediately eligible transfer route again and, and strike lightning or strike gold twice in two years. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of summed up that answer there. I, I, who, who's the We got Roosevelt. We got LLS. Who's the other two guys we got coming? It's Eric. Eric being, I don't know. Sam's awesome. and, and Bobby Pettiford's the guard out of North Carolina who's – his highlights look pretty good. I don't know. Don't we have a... another guy, Mike James? Is that his name? Yes. Okay. Not... I, I've I've heard good things about him as well. So I don't know. I mean, I'm excited about the class. I can't say I whole I know a whole lot about him. I don't know how much they've actually played basketball with COVID going on this year, but um, from the highlights, I mean, I'm a big YouTube highlight guy. They look great. Yeah, I mean, James is a forward. Pettiford is a point guard, or at least would be a combo guard. So I think. Pettiford and Ellis probably both play a little bit next year, but 
We'll see. Always a lot to get shaken out in the offseason, especially now with the new transfer rules potentially still coming, although probably not coming. Uh, Jordan says, what's an acceptable time in the shower for a 40-year-old man in the evening with nowhere to be? I'm asking for a friend who apparently takes too long of a shower. Good question. I'll let you answer first, Dan. Um, I'm a notorious long shower, but like I, I was kind of proud of it. But now that I have a six-year-old son, he's kind of adopted the same thing. And I'm like, I can like, I'm like, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I'm like, you're wasting water. Get out of there. I'm like, no, don't say that. What am I doing? Um, I'm becoming a dad, but, uh, he takes abnormally long showers for a six-year-old. Um, when, but I would say, uh, if, you say if you long give me, yeah, I, I'll say for me, I know where to go. I mean, I don't know, 12 minutes. Like, I feel like that's 12 to 15 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm usually a 10-minute shower guy, but sometimes I'll be quicker now just because we got shit to do. We got a kid. Um, but I feel like if I've got nowhere to be, if I want to enjoy myself a little bit, 10 to 15 is reasonable. I don't think that that's over the top. Anything more than that, then you're pushing it. Uh, David just wants a segment where Dan cusses out Lamar haters. Can you deliver that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've had this conversation. I mean, I, I feel like you think I'm a Lamar hater when I'm really not. Um, I, I, I'm in the camp, and I love Lamar. I do. I'm going on record. I love Lamar. I cheer for Lamar. I want Lamar to do well. I don't know if he can win a Super Bowl the, and with the style that he plays, and it's it's not a knock on him. I just think right. Super Bowl quarterbacks are going to be more drop back passers. I think in a, in the playoffs, you have to be a drop back passer in at least one game. Um, and I think Lamar needs to improve in that area um, if he wants to win a Super Bowl. But I'm not a Lamar hater. I love Lamar. I think he's really good, MVP good. But go ahead, you can shit on me now. OANN Sports, Dan Sonardi. <laughs> the first. I knew it was good. So, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> Jack said, "Which team would you prefer to lose to every year, Virginia or Florida State? It seems like Florida State's our new enemy. Uh, I think Florida State's more annoying than Virginia. Virginia, the way that they play, I know it rubs people the wrong way, and, and, but it's more about the fact that they just always seem to beat us, and they do it in kind of this death by a thousand paper cuts type style." I mean, Tony Bennett, it's, you, you cannot hate the guy. Like, he is awesome. He always gives us props after games. Um, I mean, I always think of the forgetting Sarah Marshall deal where he's, where they're on the surfboards and he's like, fuck, you're cool. It's so hard <laughs> to say because I hate you in so many ways. That's how I feel about Virginia and Tony Bennett. Like, if they didn't beat us every year, I would have absolutely nothing against Virginia. Conversely, Florida State, like, they not only want to beat us every year, they, like, rub our faces in it. They tried to fight Ryan McMahon last year. They tried to fight Malik Williams. They threw L's down to our, like, zero fans that were left at the game on uh, Monday night. Like, I, I, Florida State bothers me way more than Virginia at this point. I 100% agree. And I think, like, next time that we have fans in the sands, the, the, the first Florida State game, it'll truly be brought out that, okay, this has become like an actual rivalry. Like, I think people are picking up on it. I think it's it's pissing off our staff, our players, our fan base. So whenever we play Florida State next at home and we, we do have a full fan base, I expect an absolute wild, fully charged environment. And look, you guys can beat us as many times in a row as you want. 
you still hung a banner for being number four in the AP poll at the end of last year. It's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. Nick Coffey, uh, my guy Nick, says, any word on the potential return of the Cardinal touch? Shout out to Justin Stinson. Uh, talking to uh, Mr. Bavada. We love that guy. He's awesome. Uh, Chris, will the starting lineup be tweaked on Saturday? We kind of talked about that a little bit. Neither one of us think that that's going to happen. Uh, Samson says, are we seriously never, ever going to be able to close out on a three? Does the pack line make that harder to do? It shouldn't. Um, <laughs> heavily contested threes are kind of what the pack line wants. But, yeah, we are – we're leaving guys way, way too open. And again, I, I think that what we saw against Florida State, especially early in the game, was based directly off of what happened early in the game against Miami, where we gave up so many straight line drives uh, for layups and dunks. We were so concerned about not letting that happen again that we had guys overhelping, uh, playing off their men, and the result was we gave up just way too many looks from the outside. You got to find the happy medium there, folks. Yep, totally agree. I mean, uh, I said this last podcast, like if you're not going to guard the three, you especially, you know, you can't get driven by as well. You got to at least have one or the other, but yeah, I get, I get totally mad when, uh, you know, we're guarding a guy, but we give him enough space to at least get off a three. I'm like, just get up, get, get your hand up to where, you know, it, it's going to make impossible for even to shoot that. So I don't know. I think we'll see a concerted defensive effort on Saturday. In in Louisville fandom, we call that the VJ King, the where he's in great guarding position. He like should be right up in front of the guy, and somehow just lets him shoot it right over him. Like I, I I'm like VJ, your arms are long as shit. Just just yeah. jump with the guy. What are you doing? That's absolutely drove me crazy. Shout out to VJ King. Um, let's see. Clay Abels wants to know who would win in a fight between uh, Jeff Greer and David Levitch. I mean. <laughs> Levich is way bigger. He's in more shape. He's in better. Levich would beat beat up Greer. I wish I could say. I mean, Levich would beat both of us up. He's he's bigger. He's a D one athlete. Yeah, I mean, I I've actually I've never met Jeff Greer up close, so I don't know how big he actually is. But um, I mean, yeah, like you said, Levich is a D one athlete, so he's already got a head start there. Ross says, "Will Dan Campbell have a heart attack or be fired first? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going fired. Like to fired. That's that's the question of the year. That's so funny. Oh actually, God! I actually really like this question. Which uh, from Gil Bolberg? We had a couple of Archie Miller related questions. This one's the best one. <clears throat> Which of the Miller brothers gets fired first, Sean or Archie? Who? I mean, Arizona has run the leash so long on Sean. I'm like, I think it's probably going to be Archie because I do too. It, Indiana, like, they don't really have a – they kind of have a short leash for this kind of stuff where Arizona's, like, they're already, like, way deep in this shit with Sean Miller. They can't bail now. They also – I mean, they've, they've banned themselves from the postseason this year, but they've got to deal with the – they're going the IARP route like we are. And for all we know, that could be, like, two years from now. So I think any firing of Sean Miller would be, would be based off of what happens with this NCA deal. It won't be based off of anything that happens on the court. Whereas Archie – I mean, at this point, it's hard for me to see him lasting another two years. If they don't fire him this year, mm-hmm. then, I mean, he probably gets fired after next year. But this is going to be – I know they probably would have made the NCAA tournament last year, but this is going to be four full seasons without a single NCAA tournament appearance, and they're, like, not getting any better, and they should not be this bad. That's um, hard to that, – that is really hard to do at Indiana. Like, yeah. I don't know how you do that. 
Got to recruit the state, Dan. He's recruiting the state, though. He's doing everything that they wanted, and he fucking sucks. Uh, he's, he's the opposite Tom Crean. But you, you made a good point when we were talking the other night. Like, if they do fire him, I mean, that's a high-profile job. And if someone like like a Chris Beard gets that, that gets pretty scary for us. I mean, to have him kind of in our backyard because that's one coach I think is on the up and up that I don't want at one of our rival schools. He's the real deal, and he would kill it there because he's got, I mean, a lot of Bobby Knight and Chris Beard, a lot of vintage Bobby Knight and Chris Beard. I think he's more of a modern Knight and uh, Indiana fans would just love all that tough nose, going nuts on the sidelines type stuff. The, the you know the the defense that they play, not allowing anything in the middle. That they would eat all that stuff up. And I mean, the dude just gets it done every single year. Um, okay, here let's. Your brother says uh, we'll add Dan's own eighty five. Be hitting the moguls while skiing this weekend. Back to the skiing. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just gonna do. I like. I'm a go with the flow guy. I'm gonna hang with my kids. I'm going to do, you know, I, I really, I don't know. I, I'm going to be hitting the bars when I'm going to be hitting. So, um, I don't know. Cliche answer. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's make some Duke predictions, and then we're going to get out of here. Do you – maybe this is what we've been missing the last two games because my the last time we did predictions, the last two times we did predictions, I've been eerily close. I was two points off of the, I think, Virginia Tech game, and then I was just three total points off of uh, whatever the game was after that, I think Wake Forest. We need to start making predictions again. We need to get the mojo back. So I'll let you go first. How do you see Saturday's game playing out? Oh, man. I'm nervous about this one. I really am. I don't know. Uh, oh, God. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, gosh, I don't even know what the, like the spread is or Ken Palm. Can you give me that? Do you have that? The spread's not out. Um, I can pull up Ken Palm real quick. I know – I, I want to say when I saw it last week, we were only picked to win by like a point. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Spread should be coming out like tomorrow morning. I'm just killing time here to try to get my Ken Palm. Oh, no, you're good. All right, I'll make a prediction. It is – Ken Palm has Louisville winning 70-69. to 69. Okay. I, I'm probably going to get hated for this. I think we're going to lose. I'm, I'm kind of nervous with how we're playing. I think we lose – I'll say 73 to 69. Are you going to watch the game? Are, are you just going to be ski resort? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm scared. I, I told you. I have anxiety written. I, I don't like how we played the last two games. It's, it's, uh, it's not good. You clinking glasses with the other white ski guys talking about how Lamar Jackson's not a pure quarterback. <laughs> I know. God, ignoring I'm the, the Louisville game. Either. Good guess. That's yeah. They, they, that grade school football coach has flipped back. Now he's he's back on my side. He's Mike I mean, Hunter. if I just predict us to win every game, I'm I a know, loser. I know. I'm just giving you shit for the same thing that I give other people shit for. I I genuinely believe we're going to win this game. I, like I said, I would have picked us to lose to Florida State if we had done a pod before that game. But I think we're gonna I think we're gonna find ourselves a little bit on offense because I think Duke is so bad defensively. And I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring than the the uh, the, the predictive analytics are, are showing right now. I'll say we win uh, 79-74 is what I'm going to go with. Cards over the Blue Devils, and we're all feeling at least moderately better. But if we do lose, whew, that's going to be next podcast is not going to be fun. Do you have? I don't think we've we've talked too long. We we can't do Dan in the dumps today. We'll save Dan in the dumps for next week. 
But I do want to re- read some of the reviews. Again, we encourage you guys, if you haven't yet, to subscribe to the pod wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you can give us a nice little uh, review, a nice five-star rating, it really helps us and really helps other people find the pod as well. Um, let's see. Not Tom Crean says we, – we, by the way, we have this entire podcast, zero shots to Tom Crean for beating John Calipari at the bus. <laughs> That's how sad a state Kentucky basketball is right now. Like, like, oh, yeah, they're just losing to Tom Crane while he's at Georgia. Like, what a fucking train wreck. I know. Um, Let's see here. Ramsey and Rutherford, but better. I appreciate that. not going to read the first line. That's a little bit mean. But uh, does does Jeff Greer have an irrational vendetta against you? Are you terrified, chipmunk cheek, dead-eyed, Puerto Rican athletics mascot? Have you ever been having a great time drinking with the boys and then suddenly overcome with been overcome with the realization that Tim Duncan walked and fouled out in 1996 Sweet 16? If you answer yes to any of these questions, this is the podcast for you. Mike and Danny provide a level-headed Cards fan perspective. Show some support for the only man who can turn a former Nickelodeon game show host against an entire university. That's exactly right. Uh, appreciate that. Let's see here. I'm trying to go back to some of the ones that we haven't gotten here. Michael and Daniel doing a podcast together is like King Kong and Godzilla joining together. They are like the male version of Oprah and Gail King. I have no idea if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> I'll, I'll run with it as a compliment. We, we appreciate the post. I do like, uh, let's see, uh, ASAY says, love the show, wish they would have one every day. Um, I like that the headline here is, was she a great big fat person? Uh, sounds like it was recorded in Buffalo Bill's basement right next to the well where he hold his victims. Sometimes that cracks a joke at Kentucky or Jeff Greer's expense. I like to imagine that Bill is there to place an approving hand on his shoulder, standing proudly behind him, meat and potatoes fully cocked. I mean, that's well done. I don't know. These are very creative reviews. I, I got to give a shout out. These are hilarious. I don't really know what to say. Uh, let's see here. Satterfield's visor says, if you're interested in anything Louisville sports or the likes and dislikes of a couple of aging millennials, this is the show to listen to. The show has an old-school feel to it because it sounds like it was recorded using a vintage Fisher-Price Fisher Price tape recorder. Seriously, though, I recently subscribed to the show and have really enjoyed it. Big shout-out, as always, to everybody for who listens. Even if you don't uh, rate us and write a review, we just appreciate everybody listening. It's a lot of fun to do. We're excited to do it, even in weeks where we're coming off of back-to-back losses. So hopefully the next time we talk to you, we're talking about the women still being number one in the country, and we're talking about the men coming off a win over Duke. And until that happens, let's say go Cards. Go Cards.